Hi, I'm Dan Fugo. In today's script session, we'll be meeting Ian McBeth, co-founder and managing partner of Avocado Property, as he shares how he built his business during a pandemic with nothing but data, a robust business plan, and a sheer determination to change the way that his industry does things. Hi, Ian. Long time no see. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long time. And yeah, I guess today I want to want to talk to you about Avocado, your thoughts on the market, and you know, really how you guys use data um, day to day um, to get one step closer to your end goals. Yeah, perfect. So, Let's get stuck um, into it, eh? Yeah, I mean, you obviously launched in the middle of a pandemic, which is uh, at the time when you said it to me, I thought, wow, you're brave, you're <laughs> brave. Um, you know, why did you take that time? And, and if we can just go over your kind of launch phases and how you launched and what challenges did the pandemic kind of present in launching your business? Well, we set, we set the time scales out probably six months prior of this is the amount of time we need to get the business ready, website branding, um, all of the kind of legal part of it. And that date was cherry picked because it was the first day of spring. Um, and it was the first day of UK spring and because it was avocado, it's kind of fresh approach. It just felt like that was a good day to kind of cherry pick. This was way before we had any idea of COVID. Um, we had obviously the new year. It was my wife's 30th. So we had a nice holiday booked in January. I thought, right, get back from holiday, feeling refreshed, six weeks to get things finished and then launch. Um, little did we know a couple of weeks after getting back that obviously the pandemic was there. Um, and we had a conversation, myself, my um, business partner, Mike, and the, and the chat we were working on on marketing, who he was kind of saying maybe it's not the best time to do it, but we felt it was. Um, so we went ahead with a soft launch and, yeah, it actually worked in our favour and touching on the data element of things because we had done the right research, we were data strong, we had our kind of marketing avatar built we knew the type of public that we wanted to talk to we had a lot of content in the background ready to go and then using data knowledge um, social media techniques we were in a position where we could market efficiently and it just so happened that there was a lockdown everyone was sat at home on their phones and there was a lot of pink and avocados jumping around on their mobiles for the next couple of months so um in a strange way, we were we were unsure. Did we launch and we were perfect? No, we knew we could get there. We weren't we weren't one hundred percent perfect at that moment. Um, it was a risk launching in a pink hoodie rather than in a suit and tie combo, um, but it absolutely worked in our favour with everything that had gone on. It was a difficult time for everyone. Everyone took the time off, and we saw a lot of people in paddling pools, you know, drinking beer at eleven o'clock in the morning in the sunshine, and we were beavering away, absolutely working our backsides off to build this business. Um, getting ready for when the market would reopen. Yeah, I think looking at um, looking at the way you did things, and you know, fortuitously speaking to you pretty much every other day throughout your your first your soft launch. Um, you know, what I was always interested in, and something that you could um, share with our listeners, I get listeners, I guess, is how did you use data to launch the business? What were the pillars in which you decided you wanted to build your success with Avocado on? So the, the first thing that we we were really keen on is not going after whole of market, not being a vanilla brand, not saying we needed every single estate agency board in every single town, um, not looking at market share. So 
because we decided that was the way that we were going to talk, it meant that we had the ability to talk a lot more specifically to certain demographics. Data helped us build the demographics of the people we wanted to talk to. Um, our kind of initial avatar and still is our primary avatar were people on the school journey. So we wanted to market to, to people on the school journey, which meant we had a certain way of talking to people with, with, with marketing. Data helped us identify where those people were, um, how we could talk to them efficiently, what type of language to use. So we didn't just talk to people inside the industry. We went outside to marketing professionals outside of agency to work out how that avatar would unfold and, and the best way to communicate with them. So um, a lot of the prep work that we did because we wanted to build a business which was the polar opposite to most estate agents was done outside of agency, the prep work. Um, without a plug to Sprift, Sprift was one of the first accounts that we did actually set up. And in fact, Amy knew that we were launching before we launched because we had that account set up and, and using the data in the local areas meant that we were in a position where we could be strong. Where we soft launched in the pandemic, it meant that we could have those property reports that were branded, that were really efficient, and you could almost do digital valuations, be it on Zoom, um, be it on FaceTime. We refused to go out and do market is normal, you know, business as usual, like a lot of agents um, publicised. We were doing things safely, securely and remotely, and you can't do that without data. So data helped us get the best quality information to help the client make the best po possible decision. And on top of that, we were regularly talking to brokers, we were talking to underwriters, we were talking to solicitors. Everything statistic level data meant that we could then communicate really good marketing content out to the public so that people knew it was trusted and not, not waffle. It wasn't too much opinion-led. There was a touch of our opinion, but it was data-driven. The headline or the clickbait, if you like, of the marketing video was all statistics. Um, so, yeah, without data, wouldn't have had that trust, I don't think. No, I, I think, again, it's that social proof of everything that I've seen from you guys, um, be it clickbait or what have you, is always, um, always data-driven. It's always based on factual evidence. You don't, you're not ever, you, I've never seen you give a bold statement or opinion on the market. I'm going to ask for one in a bit, but, um, you know, it's always factual and fact-based. Um, and I guess that leads me into the next question, which is you talk about um, having a disruptive approach um, to a state agency and the way that Avocado operates. What are you doing every day that is so different and unique? So I think the first thing to highlight is the industry. And what's the public's view of the industry? And I know estate agents will be listening to this and they might take offence to it. But when you step outside of your estate agency hat and you realise what the public's view is and where we sit on the distrusted leaderboard within the, within the UK, we haven't got the best ranking. We haven't got the best reputation. So disruption came from, look, the, the, the sensible business plan here is to look at what estate agents do and do the opposite. Um, so the disruption came from, okay, we, we joke about kind of the, the icon that is now the avocado pink hoodie, but that was the extreme that we wanted to go to from, you know, navy suit from next to a pink hoodie um, is disruptive. It's different. And when you're looking at every single avocado partner is a business owner of a limited business um, that owns a license, 
so that the client is only dealing with a limited business owner. They're not dealing with employees and some employees are fantastic, but they don't have the same care and attention to the business owner nine times out of 10. Um, when you look at solo contact from start to finish versus departments, as much as you want to dress it up, departments are there to how you can orchestrate volume of cheap labor. That's, that's the fact of how a department works. You siphon down the quality of skill to the cheapest asset at the bottom in your employee roster and the client doesn't get the best service unfortunately because you're, you're you're working on volume so our disruptive approach is not to look at pie charts is not to look at market share is to charge the fee that we feel we're worth which might be the highest in the town but to do it with quality and quality comes from experience and single point of contact because even to this day, and it has been for two decades, communication is the number one complaint in the industry. So how do you put a plaster over that or fix it altogether? And, and that's what I believe this model kind of did, really. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with anything you've just said there. I think that putting a plaster over something um, is, is a short-term solution. What you guys are trying to do is provide a long-term solution um, for the agents that, that partner with you and for your clients. And I guess... What this is the question I really want to know is how's data helped your agency to grow and build reputation and trust with your clients? Yeah, I think for the partner, um, for the partner when they're talking to a client, when you've got the time and you're not pushed on diary management like you are in a typical agency game, you're in a position where you can put the quality of time into each appointment, which means you're not rushing from x y and z because a call center's got access to your diary and they booked your appointments up for the day and off you go um you're in control of your diary so you can put the right time and effort into each client and as a result you can do the prep work so you know you can look whether you're looking at a spriff report or other different systems you can do all the research you need to to find out exactly what they bought it what's gone on in the local area not just doing the best price guide and sort of hoping that that's going to win the listing because every agent does the right move best price guide you really spend a little bit of extra time having all of the background checked but then more importantly when you talk to the client you're in a position where you can really start to work out exactly what their needs are for their onwards and people don't often sell a property because they need to sell a property they sell a property because they're looking to buy a new property and most agents focus on the house that they're looking to sell or the flat and not the onward movement but the best way that you can use data and knowledge combined is to help them achieve their goal rather than just looking at the first 50%, which is get the sale and then wish them the best of luck, is to actually focus on the first 50%. How do we find that property for them? And, you know, with all the different data, prop tech that you've got these days, you're in a great position that you can do it. We do about 15 to 20% of our properties off market. Um, now, off market, before portals, whatever you want to call it, but before they hit the portals, we'll achieve a deal and we'll introduce a single viewing using data because we, we, we really, really break down to what that client's looking for. And then with data and social media and different systems, you're in a position where you can actually help the client achieve the goal that they want to achieve, which is to find the property, not just sell the property. Um, on top of that, it helps them with the information, making the decisions. I mentioned that before, but um, most of my clients will come to me and they'll say, look, we're looking to view this property. What's your take on it? And I'll send them, I, I'm not plugging it, but I will send them a spriff report of that property. They're looking to view another agent. And 
that really, really helps them. Um, it really helps them. And they get more information from that than they do from the estate agent that's showing them around. Um, so that that's the way that we can use data um, alongside the model that we've got to mean that the client does genuinely get the best possible experience. Again, you know, everything that you say makes sense. It's, 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 it's crazy to think that for so long, those ideas were in your head and in the middle of a pandemic, they all came out at once. And it seems like a, you know, infinite success story. And it kind of leads me into asking you about the new agents that you have um, come on board and partner with Avocado. Um, you know, I do miss the videos, I have to say. Um, they were exceptional viewing. Um, I mean, I've seen the spreadsheet myself um, when you define an agent's core area. But what I really would like for you to, to let our listeners in on is the data that you look at when defining a patch or an area for one of your partners and agreeing that that's their area that they want to work in. Yeah, most partners will have an area they want to work in, which is typically where they live or where they've spent most of their agency career. And that that's perfect for us because the model is be the go-to local agent. So, you know, if you're the family man or the family woman living in that village or that small town where you operate, the connections are just perfect. But the local information that you've got about where is the best place to get a coffee, um, where is the best place to walk the dog or which parks are great for kids because in the summer parks get really hot but if you go to that park it's got loads of um, tree canopy shelter and little specifics like that that make a massive difference that's that's really important to us when we sit down and effectively do the process of making sure the agent is protected and it's going to be a success is where we get stuck into the data and that's where you look at okay how many chimney pots are in that patch what postcodes need to be broken up what postcodes need to be added um, what's leasehold versus freehold in that patch? How many people live in that patch? What's the wealth level like in that patch? How many times have people transacted in the last 12 months, in the last 36 months in that patch? Is it a turning area or not? Um, what are the age brackets of those houses? So are you going to have loads of legal problems or are they all new build, which means there's probably going to be a really high turnover? All of these different kind of data sets that we review and then we look at how many agents are in the area because it might be that an agent's got 10,000 chimney pots in their patch, but they've only got two agents. Or it might be that they've got 30,000 chimney pots in their patch, but they've got 30 agents. So we break it down into what's the likely average pounds and pence fee, nothing to do with percentages, based on what the competition are doing with their percentages, based on what the average house price is. And, and what the balance is of leasehold versus freehold and then the type of demographic. Is it a first-time buyer, first-time seller town or is it the other end of the spectrum where people don't move as freely? Um, is it a premium market or is it a fast-turning market? So how's that going to work with our avatar that we spoke about before and are we going to appeal to that marketplace or is that market a place going to be a little bit off-brand? So lots of different kind of data science if you like to make sure that that partner is protected when they launch yeah i think it's a thing of beauty um you know i've seen it for myself i see the way that you um that you plan with the agents and anybody who's looking to come on board is in for a real treat um with how you calculate the patches and you know having spoken and being friends with a couple of your agents um you know 
the numbers aren't ever very far off of what is achievable. Um, and that is a testament to your planning um, between you and Mike, really. Um, yeah. What, what, what plans are you making to ensure Avocado stays at the top of its game? And what factors will the data um, play in your ongoing growth? So innovation is just massive for us. You know, we're, me and Mike are constantly looking at what's, what's new, what's fresh, what's game changing. How do we make the business, the brand stronger, better? Um, data is obviously a massive part of that. We are a new business. We're 20 months in, but we're building data at a really strong rate through different techniques and um, campaigns that we run. So we're looking at things that we're building now that are going to have an impact in five years' time because of the database that we're growing. Um, and then how that's nurtured because there's such a thing of, it's great having a massive database, but if it's a stagnant, unnurtured database, it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Um, so having a real active database, and I don't mean forcing people to move home because that's not possible. I know a lot of estate agents think that is, but it isn't. Just because you've dropped 5,000 leaflets doesn't mean 5,000 people are going to move home. They're going to move when they're ready. Um, but if you keep people informed of the market, using data, using information of what's going on, um, being hyper-local, then you keep them involved and you keep them as a supporter of the brand. And as a result, our end goal is to have the uncontested appointment. That's That's the end goal. And as we get... Um, further down the line with the business, the percentage of contested valuations versus uncontested valuations will start to ratio in the favour of the uncontested appointment because there is no need to go elsewhere because I've already got complete buying and trust with that individual. Um, so that's that's the kind of the protection method, if you like, um, but to keep innovating. And I think the the massive, massive thing that everyone has to understand is within the brand the partner is not the priority the priority is the client and if we keep the priority the client it makes the partner's job easier and that's not to offend the partner it's just to make their life easier and i think there's a lot of different models out there but the key thing is not i'm not a recruiter i'm trying to put the client first that's why i do all my social videos that's why i try and make sure that they're getting the right information is to make sure that the clients have got complete buy-in and trust to the brand, which makes it easier for all the agents within the model. And that's how we that's how we keep it protected. The brand is known to the public, not just to the industry, and that continues to grow and grow and grow. And the more the public know the brand and the more trust there is and the more we do the right thing, the easier it is for each estate agent that joins and the current ones. So... I'm going to ask you two two questions now. One of them is going to be a bit longer. One of them is going to be a bold prediction because we never see them from you, really. Um, but I want you to tell me what your thoughts are for the next 12 months and what you think is going to happen in the next 12 months in the property sector. Yeah, I, I do a fair bit of um, bold predictions, but they often sound less bold because you're talking statistically with a lot of things. And... Therefore, it, it, when you use stats for your opinion, sometimes people, it takes away the passion of someone getting you know crazy with it. But I, I think it's really simple this year. Stamp duty has meant less properties will be coming to the market. Um, interest rates are super, super low. The base rate hasn't impacted the banks. And as a result, and banks dictate the market at the end of the day, the lending dictates the market. 
Um, they're still super competitive. They want people's money. They've got confidence in the market. There's still 95 and 90% loan to value deals out there. They're appealing to the first time buyers because the first time buyer deals are the ones that are dropping. And if you actually sort of monitor the rates and, and look at what's going on with lending, it's actually the loan load to values that are slightly increasing. So the 60 and 75% loan to values where the banks are just trying to sort of almost squeeze the gap a little bit closer and capitalize on remortgages. Um, so with that in mind, it's now much, much cheaper to buy than it is to rent, which you couldn't have said that maybe 24 months ago. It was probably on par, but it is significantly now because rents have gone up. So the market is driven by low rental stock, meaning there's a super buy-to-let market out there. And again, if you look at lending for buy-to-lets, I think there's a landlord market that's going to grow and grow and grow because of how cheap it is to get finance and how rubbish it is to get anything from savings. And people are unsure about stock markets and things like that at the moment because everything's a bit erratic, but property isn't. Um, So that's going to have more demand, more demand on buyers. People need to move. The race for space, as it's kind of called in in many different circles at the moment, means that people are working from home, so they need more space. People are looking for different priorities around them. Um, Dare I say it, the baby boom from last year's kind of lockdown in the prior year, a lot of babies have been born off the back of lockdown, and that will force people to move. So in, in all of those different funnels, if you look at them as different funnels of extra demand, capitalizing with low stock levels... We'll see, we'll see a price increase this year for sure, probably about 50% as much as it was last year. So if we said last year was um, 10, 11% growth across the country, we'll probably see something around five, five and a half, maybe 6% growth this year, I think. Um, transactions will be down, but prices will go up for the public. So for the estate agent out there, two different conversations, isn't it? Public versus agent. Public, prices go up. It's still dirt cheap to buy property. And I say it on, on camera all the time. Today is the te- the cheapest day you can buy a property. It's the cheapest day because prices are going up. Interest rates are, are not going to go drastically much lower. So buy buy your home today because it's the cheapest day you can do it. And for agents, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a bum fight out there, I think. I love that phrase. Today is the cheapest day that you will ever buy a property. It's so Fair true. Facts. It's so yeah. true. You can't, you couldn't put it any better than that. To, to anybody who's listening. Lastly, what's your top tips for agencies on how they can turn property data into gold? So if you've got the data already within your database, you have to communicate first and foremost. And that's the first step. The next step of communication is how you communicate. If you communicate by shouting and asking, data won't nurture. Um, If you communicate by supporting, advising and informing, then you can turn that data into gold when it's ready. You can't force it to move. And that's where um, our industry can be a little bit impatient from time to time. You have to be patient with it. Let it take its course. That's how you kind of nurture your internal database. And that comes down to your content that you're able to create and If you're doing content that's about you or content that's about making someone do something, it it won't work. You have to do content that supports them, that advises them, um, whether it's hyper-local or whether it's around a certain area. You have to speak to people in that way. In terms of then going out and mining data, for me, it's social media. You know, if you want more data, um, why waste your time and money on 
the old school things that will do the same results when you've got all these new methods out there to capitalize on um the or, the actual organic reach and engagement on something like tiktok is trumping any social platform out there so if you want to be bold and confident and impact the market and, and capitalize on your data then you have to look at the new platforms that are going to result in in a different type of profiling trust and therefore funneling the data to your agency business so be brave um and be you is is what i always say and that that often means getting on camera and when you get on camera you have to be you don't try and be someone else um, none of the avocado partners are the same on camera they're all completely different because they're them and if you do a thousand videos it's pretty hard to fake a thousand videos eventually your true personality comes out and and, and people love you for you um, not everyone will love everyone for everyone, but the right client will come to you because they're the right client for you if you're yourself. So um, that would be, in a long-winded answer, the tip that I would give or two tips that I would give. Yeah, I think the first one is the one that I want to really attach to and, you know, letting people live um, and but giving them enough to live but knowing all the information you know, all the information that you can provide throughout their journey of um, home ownership or residence in a property or buying a property or wherever they are, it's, it's letting them be. Don't try and make them do something because you don't need to. If you stick to your principles and showing them that information, that data, like you mentioned, they're going to come to you eventually anyway. Do you know the worst the worst ad i don't know if i can say this but i'm gonna say it anyway um the worst advert that's out there at the moment is the zoopla ad on telly where they kind of sit on their sofa and they go hmm we love our house and then they did the zoopla calculator but it's only bricks and water like what a load of nonsense it just doesn't work that way no one moves because the price of their house has gone up people move because they have a need to move and it just it baffles me that there's things like that out there but how you talk to people is is really really important and when you've got a database that you can nurture exactly it's it's how you communicate with them that is all about zoopla putting themselves before the client put you, put yourself out of you and what does that benefit what solutions have you got to people's problems and how do you solve them for them and and that's the way that you communicate with your database um and that'll make a big difference to the industry as well. Well, thanks to Ian for his invaluable insight today. You can find further episodes of The Script Sessions wherever you get your podcast from. Simply search for Sprift Sessions. And if you'd like to know more about Sprift and what it can do for your business, please go to sprift.com. Thank you for listening.